Hi, and welcome to Awaken episode four. This is a short little chat with me and Jasmine that started just as a regular phone call. And we were like, hey, let's record this. We started talking about noting technique, which is a Buddhist vipassana type of meditation where you essentially note to yourself either internally, usually just in your mind. There's some traditions of it where you speak this out loud and you note to yourself what you are experiencing, like I'm experiencing happiness or sadness or pain in my legs or pressure in my head or whatever it might be that you are experiencing to yourself, uh, the full range of human experience. And I, I mentioned how I've never done uh, like an official retreat in this style, uh, but I'm very curious about it, having read about it in Daniel Ingram's Mastering the Core Teachings of the Buddha book. And I know how important it is to Daniel from, from chatting to him as well. So that's a quick intro to it. I'll let you jump into the rest. So with noting and naming, I feel like it's the type of practice that anyone can access. So yeah. why we initially teach it for starting out meditation is because uh, people are not so emotionally aware. And that's one of the first things that we're trying to teach them. Right. So let's say they're scanning their bodies, but a lot of people don't have like a very acute awareness of what's going on. Yeah. So when they verbalize it, they access a different part of their brain um, that actually makes it cognizant of what is actually there. Yeah. So if they go um, tingling in my arm, yeah. then they'll realize that. And the same with, uh, this is why guided meditations are helpful yeah. because people are uh, turning and guiding like the participants attention to a specific area. And they're like, yeah, Oh yeah, I yeah. didn't even realize that I could feel sensations in my fingers so vividly. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, that also lends to us to why some people are better facilitators when they have greater emotional awareness and noting. Yeah. Or who have done a noting practice already. Yeah. Or like more advanced. You, will just be able to note as in uh, MCBT when they say, when Daniel speaks about noting or noting like 40 uh, sensations in one go, like at yeah. some higher levels. Yeah. Every and second, what's interesting yeah. about that is like when he says, when noting becomes like a stack, like a stagnation of a thing, because our brains can't, well, we can't verbalize it as quickly as it's happening. Mm -hmm. So I feel like after a certain point, it becomes hand in hand where the silent observer is able to just note yeah. without verbally noting. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. Noting. Absolutely. So that's I, interesting. Yeah. It's, it's almost like all, all kinds of meditation in, in that realm. It kind of all point at the same place. Like after a while, if you if you are um, like body scanning on a Goenka course, mm. or you're you're noting on a Sayadaw course, you're going to end up in a very similar place. In terms of what aspect? In terms of observing the 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 kind of pulsing 
nature of reality mm. as right. as it happens. Right. You know, the, the, they're both going to emphasise equanimity and and observation and you know acceptance. I, I, I'd actually I, be I haven't curious. done a side or course, but that, yeah. that's that's my assumption. I would be curious to bring on or like speak to others who have done advanced courses in many other traditions and lineages as well as even in like yoga yeah because i'm not so sure that it's felt in the same way maybe it is but i'm not so certain yeah i feel like the reality of one's body like for example let's say in yoga you might have greater awareness of the body yeah but not necessarily be feeling the same kind of intensity of vibrations because let's say in like a Vipassana practice, yeah. you're really trying to hone and heighten your attention. So you're like constantly sharpening the sword of emotional awareness Yeah, in like a very sensate, like uh, like particulate level. Yeah. Whereas like in yoga, it's more like the, con- like the entirety of the body in union with like the world around you, your breath, like it's maybe slightly different. I'd actually be really curious. Yeah. Yeah. I would imagine, I mean, I've never done a yoga retreat, but I would imagine Mm. that would be kind of different because it's, it's got a different focus. Um, And and, yeah, it's probably true for other body work things as well. Um, Mm. I I think I was talking more specifically about Vipassana type meditations Mm -hmm. Right. So yeah. Mm-hmm. If you're doing something where the emphasis is on this um, Buddhist sutta style mm. observation of reality as it happens, you know, it, it's all kind of out of the same place. And even mm. you know, I mean, another interesting thing is that the, um, it, it, I, I don't know, it, I, on, on a certain level, it might not matter what kind of meditation you do. Mm. Um, if it's some kind of, Buddhist leaning, reality facing, uh, emphasis on equanimity type thing. Mm. It, it doesn't matter almost what lineage it came out of. I mean, that, that right. was an interesting thing in the in the um, what uh, altered traits book. They yeah, they right. do these the, these studies on really long time meditators who've put in just hundreds of thousands of hours or whatever. And, and they've all come from really different places, uh, like yes. Tibet, Tibetans doing like loving kindness type meditation mm. or whatever. But the result is really similar in terms of their brain chemistry and, and their reactions mm. to pain and and uh, their ability to focus at will and all that kind of stuff. I mean, that's they have, very true. What's that, interesting yeah. about that, that, yeah, the slight difference was only in the competency of what they're specifically looking at, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so they, they could turn on, some of them could turn on loving kindness like that and mm-hmm. others could yeah. turn on ultra focus like mm. that. And it was a different kind of emphasis, but mm-hmm. it kind of gave them similar superpowers. <laughs> yes. Although when they did that, they were not able to like cross, like, so the person who was who had been practicing loving kindness forever yeah couldn't really focus in the same way that yeah yeah they wanted like they, they thought so yeah like that's key also to note like one of the findings in that book was uh just how different meditations 
equate to different results as well like for example if you do loving kindness you're you're actually developing compassion and emotional awareness whereas if you're developing focus you might be developing more inner calm and um it might be resilience tied to that yeah 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 totally yeah it's, it's a fascinating uh fascinating area for sure it, and, and i wonder I, I mean, getting back to what we were talking about on the limits of, of meditation as well. Um, mm. I, I think that's really interesting area and how, you know, when I first came across all this stuff and kind of the way Goenka talks about it is it's almost like if you could just do that, it would solve all your problems. Forever. <laughs> and, and then like you see, uh, you know, I was digging into, whilst I was living in Japan, I was, I was reading into the, the history of the war there. Mm. And they had Zen masters yeah. um, egging on the troops, basically. Mm. They, 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 these were people who had put in who knows how many thousands of hours of meditation, who are absolutely top of their game in that lineage mm. and, and probably a, about as, as enlightened as, as y- you know, anyone. Mm. And yet their, their sort of cultural conditioning mm. was untouched by that. And they were very mm. much like behind the war effort and saw it as a great thing that troops were going out and conquering China and conquering the whole freaking Asia. But, but, you know, so on that aspect is, as well, it's, it's really interesting. It's, it's, it's a mental phenomena in some ways, and it, it might not touch these other things, these <laughs> bigger picture things. Yeah. What I find interesting about that, like, so when one is, like, is kind of developing themselves in that way, like the understanding things as it as it is in like the reality that we we are existing in and and when we are looking at okay all things change and how like life is unsatisfactory and like the causes of suffering yeah i feel like even though you you like maybe to like high forms of when they might be practicing it doesn't always take into account maybe lineages where maybe loving kindness is the main emphasis perhaps yeah yeah um because humans are flawed in themselves right like just because you understand those things doesn't maybe doesn't necessarily equate to you being an ultra compassionate person who is against war yeah i I don't know i don't know and that's that's a really interesting question it'd be it'd be good to get uh, it's a better master one or someone who, who knew one <laughs> and get their impression on it. And but, I'm, I'm also wondering about like when people speak of those who practice, yeah. who necessarily like in, in a lot of like Buddhist teachings, when they say like, just because someone's following this, like let's say monks who are for this might actually sound like maybe very controversial what I'm going uh-huh. to say, by the way, <laughs> but when people who are practicing, something for the entire lives but actually aren't really practicing practicing because right. they're not actually understanding but they're just following so they're not really getting to the true nature but they're it's like just a different yeah conditioning that they are trapped in it's very interesting i mean my my, my current feeling about it, my current take on it from from reading around i've been reading a great book by bill hamilton hamilton Mm. actually who who um was one of uh, daniel ingram's uh, 
big influences. I hope I've got that name right. I'll, I'll correct yes, it. Yes, it is Bill Hampton. Yeah, that's is. the guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he wrote this great book called Saints and Psychopaths, and right. and um and that's really interesting. On like one of his opinions in there is that basically something like psychopathy is would probably be untouched by meditation and enlightenment essentially that it's that that's a sort of very deep psychological conditioning that is quite distinct from from um at least that's my interpretation of what he's saying in there interesting is it is it the extremity of like how uh the brain already is in itself like state that the yeah. shift yeah. is almost oh that's interesting i wonder if there's studies based on that like yeah. I, I actually haven't read the book myself so i i wonder where it's been pulled from did, did you that no, is it's just his kind of well that's that's my impression of the opinion he's he's giving in that book um mm. and, and it's also kind of true of, of daniel ingram as well that he he talks about how it, it's it's distinct from psychology what mm. what you get from meditation what you get from enlightenment mm. it, it, it's a different thing um mm. and it won't solve it won't make you a great person that everyone likes all the time mm. and he's met plenty of people who are probably about as enlightened as you can get via you know buddhist meditation but they are still uptight assholes who who piss really people. oh yeah 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 sure because it, it's wow. Distinct, I would, it's where a does he, from. for those who are listening like yeah. who where can they find more on this there's there's a whole bunch of it in in ingram's book actually mct right. um yeah there's, there's there's lots of it in there and you'll hear it in other interviews with him and I, i've kind of seen it around different places as well um kenneth folk talks about this a bit too it's it's just um it it might make you enlightened it might give you access to really peaceful states but if you are a total arsehole it might not de arsehole you <laughs> do you think then the emphasis should be on a practice which would make you nicer for example loving kindness based practices well that's because a great question i haven't done enough of it to know if it would make me less of an arsehole <laughs> actually for, for me a lot of my practice has either been like vipassana or yeah um compassion-based practices and i kind of one of my goals in life is just to be a good person like to know like (laughs) it's from this um when people die it's they often say like the most important things are like whether or not they lived like to their highest intentions and like their values and then if they were a good person if they loved well and for me, that kind of just really rang really true. Mm. And maybe at one point in my life, I thought I could be a much better person. Mm. Not necessarily like holding myself to extremely high standards, um, but just I could do with quite a bit more improvement. And yeah. reflecting on areas in my life where maybe I haven't been so nice to what like I, what I would like to hold myself to. Yeah, yeah. And loving kindness for me, I feel like has really changed even how I show up with other people mm-hmm. um, and practices around just like mindful listening. 
um, the kind of integration processes between like how much does your ego show up in daily life? Yeah. Uh, and like how kind are you actually being with others and even those who trigger you. So the more like emotional intelligence based competencies of like self-management and then self like inter uh, relational awareness with others. Yeah. Although I, I do know that those who um, maybe have high EQ mm. aren't also necessarily like great. Mm. So a lot of people who advance up the career ladders is because they do have high levels of EQ. Mm. Um, but sometimes it's a thing that they turn on like yeah. because they understand that. So yeah. then they show up in a certain way, but aren't necessarily that from a like internally internally yeah yeah but i feel like the more that i i practice it it's like the thing where people look in the mirror and like who want to be confident and then say like you know i'm confident i like repeating affirmations on around that Mm. at one point like there's so many fascinating studies on and also i i've tried it myself for various different areas Mm. of like when you just practice something, how it just becomes a trait. Yeah. Just like how habits make, like, so if you, like in Chad Bing Tan's book of like search inside yourself. Yeah. You speak of, uh, he speaks of when you smile at others, he wishes everyone well when he goes into a room. Yeah. And he said like, it, it starts becoming like a part of your nature, like something mm, so small, mm. you like, it, it becomes more and more natural because it, it's a habit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So that's interesting. Yeah. And I think that that's kind of, you could look at that as a sort of uh, a different kind of training. Mm. It's, it's not, it's not meditation training. Mm. Um, it's, it's a different kind of thing. And, and, and it's, and it's, I mean, the, the way, the way Ingram talks about this, you know, you've got the three, main trainings in in buddhism right you've got shila kind of morality virtue uh samadhi concentration um and panya wisdom mm-hmm. and and in his the way he describes it panya has a goal right wisdom has a goal right. uh, it is enlightenment it's achievable he's done it in in from his perspective mm-hmm. um you can you can reach that point and then right. he, what him, he and others have said is this is not actually the answer to all your problems. <laughs> it, <laughs> it, it hasn't solved everything for him. And the other two trainings mm. remain infinite. You can go as far as you, you, mm. you like in a human lifetime in mm. trying to be a good person and in developing mm. concentration and you won't reach the end of that. Mm. Um, whereas you can get enlightened. He's like, well, you might as well just do that first. Right. <laughs> so, look, here's a book how to do it. Go and do a couple of retreats and, and try and figure it out. That's his take on it. And then it's easier to work on the other stuff and become a better person. That's and, interesting. And integrate what you've learned in this transcendental realm. That's, that's his take on it. Yeah. For me, actually, I'd actually be curious to ask you, Bill, like, what, where do you think your main focus is on the three? Well, right now it's Samadhi. I mean, uh, I, especially in this this weird lockdown situation um i just find myself very easily kind of 
you know, work on computers all day and I'm very easily distracted by mm. the, the, the news and all this chaos that's around us and social media and all the rest of it. So that's, that's kind of just my anchor at the moment. I'm just tossing mm. that anchor down every, every day and finding the, the ocean floor and going, oh, okay, okay. here I am, <laughs> you. <laughs> so that's, that's, that's me at the moment. I'm not trying to make any, any progress beyond that. Um, mm. and, and obviously try and get on with, with my family and all the rest of it. Um, which goes into Sheila. Yeah. Yeah. And, and get on with, with work and colleagues. And that's also kind of a Sheila thing as well. Right. Livelihood and all the rest mm. of it. So For me, actually, I, I feel yeah. like my main focus has been on Sheila, I think. Yeah. I'm not sure if it, it's so important for me to get enlightened. Um, well, there's many different schools of thought on that, right? Some some whole schools of Buddhism are basically dedicated to to Sheila, to the, the mm. training in morality and virtue. That I was chatting to the um, people from the the what do they call themselves? They used to call themselves the friend of the friends of the Western Buddhist order. Um, basically, the the London Buddhist Centre people, right? And their emphasis is, is entirely on Sheila, mm. and, and that's also true in in some other. I think. I forget the the particular schools, but there's there's the whole schools who, of Buddhism who say, I think Pure Land Buddhism they call it, and they're like, well, it's it's basically impossible to get enlightened in this lifetime, but if you're really good here, then you might get reborn in a Pure Land one day, right. and uh, and then it's quite easy. So just try and be a really good person here, and then <laughs> one day maybe you can <laughs> get enlightened. So, I mean, even yeah. with that, like, like I even, I, I feel like that's such a long time away. I know that uh -huh. in my family, they kind of have that thought. Like my, my uncle's very much like that. He said, don't think that you're special more right. than anyone else. Don't yeah. think that you're going to get enlightened because uh -huh. you're probably not. Yeah. <laughs> he just says like, we're just average people, Jasmine. <laughs> and then he, <laughs> he goes like, don't expect to. And for me, I feel like I couldn't just focus on Sheila for the thought or something so far away from me as yeah. what it seems. Yeah. For me, it's, it's purely based on the moment to moment basis of how do I manage myself and yeah. Yeah. how can I just be happy now? And does it really even matter in the next life if I'm like, I don't know, like, I feel like it's just too far away. And maybe for some people who are much longer term, like able to think yeah. that could be useful. But I feel like for the majority, especially in our age where concentration and focus is so short sighted. Yeah. yeah. It's, I feel like that's almost asking too much. Yeah. It's certainly not my take on it. I mean, and it's not really that, well, it's not the Buddha's take on it either in the oldest suitors. Um, I mean, well, we all know they're not the words of the Buddha, but the oldest mm. Buddhist tradition um, is very clear that you can get enlightened and, and that um, you know, people around the Buddha were, were doing so all the time. Mm, mm -hmm. um, so, And actually explain more about this because I, when you first were speaking to me on it, um, I was fascinated. So I'm sure people would love to hear this for those who don't know. Oh, I mean, I don't know this, the, the scriptures that well. Uh, 
there's a very famous story and I forget the guy's name, but um, I can look it up later uh, of a guy who, who came to the Buddha and was like, look, look, I, um, he'd been doing all these practices his whole life. He was a very sort of advanced um, spiritual kind of guy, but he hadn't got enlightened and he came to the Buddha and he found him. He, he was just about to go on his like arms round or something. He's like, Buddha, Buddha, come on. Um, you got to hit me up, man. Like, teach me this meditation stuff. Teach, teach me your enlightenment thing. And Buddha's like, no, look, I'm kind of busy right now. Um, I've got to go and um, do my arms round and, you know, I, come, come back later and I'll, I'll, I'll teach you then. He's like, no, no, no. But what, you know, you might die any second. And then what are your <laughs> disciples, what are your disciples going to teach me? I don't know if they're going to have the, the, the real Dharma and I'm going to, you know, reach the final goal. You've got to tell me now. Eventually he nags him enough into to teaching. He's like, okay, look, I'll, I'll lay it on you, man. Just, sit down. This is the practice. In the seeing, only the seeing. In the hearing, only the hearing. In the touch, only the touch. In the thoughts, only the thoughts. In the feeling, only the feeling. It goes through all the senses. Um, and this guy sits down and boom, enlightened just like that. He, he goes off um, and gets hit by a uh, uh, a mad cow or something and crushed to death. <laughs> but <laughs> afterward, Buddha confirms, yep, he was fully enlightened. <laughs> He's off to Nirvana. <laughs> uh, and there's, there's, apparently there's lots of stories like this in, in the scriptures of people around the Buddha who, who got the teaching and became enlightened. And they call so them funny. Arahants and, and they're, they're all over the, the old scriptures. So from that perspective, Buddhism says, yeah, it's totally a, it's a practical, learnable skill, essentially. But you were, you were also saying about how, like, that was because those who, like, during those times, there was a lot less distraction too. I'd say that helps. Yeah, for sure. And if, you, if you're an ordained monk or nun, in general, there's a lot less distraction. That's, that's going to probably help you. But you even said for the lay person. And, and even for lay people, yeah. And for, and for people from um, those cultures now who've lived quite a simple life, it's much easier for them to get enlightened than um, us kind of like hyper-manic Westerners who, who go out to meditation centres and um, sort of... Uh, there was a Bill Hamil Hamilton quote, some old... Eastern master saying, "Ah, oh, yeah, that well, they're not getting enlightened because they're they're doing psychotherapy. <laughs> Westerners sitting around sorting out their their problems rather than um, doing the following the instructions." So yeah, so it's, it's an interesting one. <laughs> At this point, we had a little discussion about colours and updating a website, and I've skipped most of it, but there was a little snippet I thought was interesting. So here it is. It's a more bright, bold kind of thing. <laughs> and yeah. and, I, and I, not that this is like perfect at all, but I liked the, yeah. the bright colours basically and, right. and the interesting use of them. It's all quite kind of zippy yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and fun. Um, and there's some pastels too, but, it, you know, it's not like just a kind of uh, beige feeling. It's quite bold. Yeah, because I don't think we're, we're really about beige, are we? We're kind of no. like... And also, I, I feel like we're not really afraid to speak about anything, anything, you know? Like, yeah. who's restricting us? Yeah, yeah, totally. What I found so interesting about uh, people who listen to our podcast, which I love, 
yeah. is that they commented on how we were unafraid to touch on topics that people would <laughs> often stay away from. And I was just thinking, but why? <laughs> why? Like, this is just part of reality. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. As You know, if it's interesting, why not speak about it? Yeah, yeah, it's funny. It's funny. I mean, I, I guess there's a lot of... Um, <clears throat> probably most of the the uh, kind of podcast meditation world is perhaps it, uh, I, I don't want to sort of overgeneralize but the, yeah. I guess there's a lot of kind of really seasoned practitioners who, yeah. who are doing the podcast but who are a, a bit older and I mean it's a, maybe it's a generational thing I don't know um, maybe it's different I actually haven't listened to many so I, I don't even know the differences mm. I'm just surprised Mm. That's all. Mm. And I wonder actually what they do speak about instead. Maybe they speak of teachings. Yeah, th there's a lot of kind of um, uh, metaphysics and and um, I don't know. Like, th th there's a lot that, to be honest, doesn't interest me. It doesn't grab me a lot. I'm 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 kind of I'm very interested in 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 just being really frank about. Um, meditation yeah. and mm. yeah, what's really going on mm. and i think that that and, and all the, the the many colors and varieties of it and how, what it means mm. in people's lives because yeah yeah because it's not it's not one thing is it no um, i really don't think so yeah yeah cool thanks for listening to this episode of awake in podcast we hope you enjoyed Check out the show notes, listen to more episodes and find our socials at our site, awake-in.com. We'd love to hear your feedback, so do please get in touch.